Hi. I thought I'd do something different. Good morning. I want to welcome everybody this morning, and I'm so glad that you came, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. And I know there are people watching online here in Wichita, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in Denver, Colorado, in Wentworth, South Dakota, in Baltimore, Maryland, in Bakersfield, California, and literally all over the world. So let's welcome them. Can we do that? So glad that you're here. Now, if you're, this is your first time, or maybe you've been here first, second, or third time, and you're looking for a church home, I would, in, I would just ask you immediately following the service, just go out to our guest services. We've got a gift for you. It's a really cool gift. And then, um, if, you're, if you're looking, we'll give you some information, and just pray about making Central Community Church your permanent church home. Uh, before I get started my message, I just want to say real quickly, and that is that um, tomorrow, or excuse me, this Saturday, next Saturday, at 2 o'clock, um, we are going to have our service of celebration for the life of Pastor Dale Lewis. Pastor Dale was here for many, many years, and he was one in charge of the, of the, who cared for the body here at Central Community Church, and he went to be with Jesus a few weeks ago, and so we're going to celebrate his life on Saturday at 2 o'clock in the chapel. So I just wanted to invite you and, and hope that we get to see you there. So just recently, um, I have been aware of a group of men who are doing, getting involved in a peer-led fitness. It's a 45-minute workout, okay? And I've found out that they have a name, and their name is the F3 Nation. Maybe some of you have heard of that before. Those three Fs stand for fitness, faith, and fellowship. They meet for a time of 45 minutes of, of working out, but it's more than just that because, see, they have, a, they have a motto, and the motto is, leave no man behind and leave no man where you found him, okay? But one of the things that they have come up upon is they've come up with an undeniable truth about men, and I want you just to look at this real quickly. Men need authentic relationships with other men who are working to be strong fathers, husbands, and leaders. Isolation will destroy a man. Amen, ladies? It's true. Men need to be in relationships. Now, this group of men, um, I want you to know that they also have a goal, and their goal is to impact the community specifically by changing the trajectory of the family. Now, it's true that, that it's the workout that, that brings these guys, but it's the brotherhood, it's the community, and the faith that keeps them together. And they only have one rule. And you know what that rule is? You, you just got to show up. So tomorrow morning at 5.20 a.m., not p.m., a.m., there's a group of guys that are looking to start an F3 um, group right here at Central Community Church. We did this in first service, and they had several who signed up. And so, Pastor Aaron, if you would stand up, and Dan and Luis, if you, is Luis here? Just stand up. And what I want you to just stand up real quickly. If you have any questions about that and you want to know more about it, boom, there you go, okay? All right, now, getting into what we want to talk about today, the thing that I wanted to show with you is this. I brought something with me, Okay? Now, first service made fun of me, okay? The choir was calling me Linus, okay? By the way, he only did that one time. All right. So um, now, 
I tell you, I, I have a blanket. This isn't the blanket, but I have a blanket like this at home. It's very soft. My blanket is, at home is, is blue, um, and it's, it lays on my bed. The reason that I'm talking about this is because I got to tell you, over the, the last several weeks and the last few months, man, my blanket has become my very best friend, right? I mean, there are times that I will tell you that I've grabbed my blanket and I've pulled it over my shoulders and I've said, God, thank you for the warmth of my blanket. Now, I also have to tell you that my blanket isn't always good for me. What I mean by that is that in the morning, when my alarm goes off, my blanket talks to me. (laughs) And my blanket says, five more minutes. I promise I'll keep you warm. And you know what happens? A lot of times, I give in to that temptation. And I know you're thinking, man, my pastor's a wimp. But sometimes I give in to that just because it feels so good. It's so warm. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, it's 30 minutes later. And you know what happens? Now I'm in a hurry. Everybody get out of my way. But you know what I've noticed about my life is that when that happens, my quiet time is what suffers. And sometimes I may not even have it at all. I want you to know that Jesus tells us or shows us in the Bible, he gives us a great example, that a quiet time, in other words, time with your heavenly Father, is of the utmost importance. Look at what he says here. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Today we're going to talk about prayer. And the reason we're going to talk about prayer is because next week is Prayer Sunday in our campaign initiative. And one of the things that I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, is that next week, during our service, we're going to pass out prayer booklets. And here's why. I want the entire church in the same devotion for 28 straight days. We're going to start on the same day, so each and every day we're going to be on the exact same devotion. And I don't know about you, but there's power in that. There's power in knowing that my neighbor, that my my brother and sister in Christ at Central Community are going through the same devotions. Now, Jesus did this because he knew that the way he started his day would determine how his day went. In other words, Jesus demonstrates for us that the priority of prayer is critical in the believer's life. And he also demonstrates for us that it shouldn't happen way at the end of the day. It's best when it happens in the beginning of the day. Now, I'm not saying if you're having a quiet time at the end of the day that you're you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this is that Jesus gives us the example that the way we start out our morning will determine how the rest of our day goes. Now, Jesus also shares with us one other thing, and that is this. You know what the key to prayer is? You just got to show up. That's it. The very first thing is this. You just got to show up. So would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? As I read from John chapter 10, And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 and then verse 27, okay? Here we go. 
Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Now, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, teach me to pray, but not just to get answers but because I want to spend time in a relationship with you. A relationship where my heart is in step with yours. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I hope some of those words sounded real familiar to you, and I know they do, and the reason they do is because we just read those words just a few months ago. You remember when we were doing the I Am series, one of the places that we found ourselves was in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, there are two of the seven I Am's. Remember what they were in John chapter 10? First one is, I'm the door, and the second one is, I'm the good shepherd. So those words should be very familiar to you. Now, what I want you to learn today, though, is a little bit of a different perspective, and it begins in John chapter 9. Anybody know what happened in John chapter 9? It was something that happened that just made all of the people and the leaders of the church very uneasy. In fact, what you need to know is that what happened in John chapter 9 has never happened in the history of the world before. You know what it was? Jesus healed a blind man who had been blind since birth. It was the strangest miracle you have ever seen The Bible tells us that Jesus spit. Isn't that cool? Jesus spit on some mud, and he formed the mud, and he put it on the eyes of this blind man, and then he said to him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So you know what the Bible tells us that the blind man did? He went, he washed, and he could see. Now this miracle really ticked off the Jewish leaders. And the reason it ticked them off was because they couldn't refute it. The man who was born blind all his life was right in front of them, and even his parents said, yep, that's our son, yep, he's been blind ever since birth, and yep, he can see. This made the Pharisees mad, and they couldn't find anything out that they could use against Jesus except one thing. You know what it was? He did this miracle on the Sabbath. This is the miracle now that began to really bring the Pharisees and the Sadducees to where they began to focus on, we need to get rid of this guy, Jesus. 
Now, what I want you to understand as a body of believers is what Jesus was telling us in this miracle. And here's what he was telling us, and I hope you can relate. Jesus was telling us salvation brings light. Do you understand that? Salvation brings light. I want you to watch this and look at this Bible passage in Acts. It says, he did this to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in time. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And Apostle Paul's message is simply this. Salvation brings light. This is what salvation does. I want you to think about that for a moment. At your salvation, at that moment of your belief in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, at that moment when you were born again, your, in your life, your blindness, your ability to see darkness was turned into light. God opened our eyes and he turned the darkness into light. Or maybe I should say, God turned you and I toward the light, right? Now this last week, and I thought it was kind of funny, I had a couple people ask me the question, how do you know, Pastor Bob, if you've heard from God? How do you know when God has spoken? Now, I will tell you what I thought was interesting about it was, is first of all, it's what I was studying in my devotions, and it was also the very message that we were going to talk about this week. But as I've thought about this this last week, one of the things you probably asked yourself the same question is this, how is it, Pastor Bob, that I do hear from God? You know what? That's not the right question to ask. The right question to ask is, why am I not hearing the voice of God. Now I've got you where we can learn. I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this because this is very important. Look at what he says. And his sheep follow him because, what is it? They know his voice. I want you to remember this, and maybe you could write this down. Hearing comes at birth. In a healthy pregnancy, when the baby is born, nobody needs to teach the baby how to hear. In fact, because the baby is in the womb of the mother, they tell us that the baby can already recognize the voice of its mother. When you are born into the family of God, one of the blessings is you hear God's voice. So don't tell me you don't hear God's voice because then you're telling me that the Bible is a lie. No, the Bible tells us if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know his voice. So what we need to figure out this morning is, is that if you don't feel like you're hearing from God, well then let's figure out why. And what I want to do is I just want to give you three things this morning, just three things for you to think about, about why it is that you may not be hearing from God like you want to. All right? Here we go. Here's number one. 
You desire God more, okay, desire God more than what he can give you. In other words, if you want to hear more from God, desire God more than what he can give you. Here's a scripture verse that I want you to look at. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings, and Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, I saw when I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now's the time, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. I want you to remember what happened here. Saul is now the king of Israel. Israel asked for a king, God gave them Saul. And you remember that Samuel had met with him the week before, and he said, listen, we're going out to battle. And I want you to remember that whenever the Israelites went out to battle, the most important and most critical thing for them was that they could hear and discern the voice of God. Their lives depended on it. So here's Saul, and he was told, wait seven days, Samuel will come, and he will offer the offering, and then you will hear a word from the Lord. Well, guess what happened? The army started assembling, and the Israelites got scared, and they panicked, and they started pointing the finger at Saul, and Saul panicked. He just, he just, he fell under the pressure, and you know what he did? He went, and he made the offering that he was not supposed to do. He was supposed to wait for Samuel, and just as he finishes, Samuel comes, and he goes, what have you done? Now, here's what I want you to understand what Saul did. Saul wanted and needed to get a word from God so badly that he was willing to disobey God. I want to say that again. Samuel, or excuse me, Saul so wanted a word from God that he was willing to disobey the word of God. Case in point. When I was growing up in high school, I would say to my dad on a Saturday, hey, dad, um, got a party tonight, and I'd really like to go. Is it okay if I'm going? He'd say, sure, that'd be fine. Yes. And then I'd walk away, and then I would hear him say, right after you clean the garage. And I'm like, dad, do you really, I got I to gotta wash the car. Mom drove it out in the mud. I got to wash the car. I got to get a haircut. I've got all these things to do. Dad, I don't have time to clean the garage. And he would say, Bob, he would say, I'm going to tell you again, you can go to the party right after you clean the garage. And I would say, but, and that's as far as I would get. And then my dad would say this to me. He would say, Bob, I told you you can go to the party, but you know at our house that work comes before play. You need to clean the garage. And Bob, do not ask me again. You know what I expect you to do. Now, what I want to ask you is, is, what do you think I did? I cleaned the garage. Now, why did I clean the garage? Because I wanted to go to the party, right? Wrong. I cleaned the garage because I love my dad. 
I clean the garage because I have a relationship with my dad. I clean the garage because I want to grow up to be just like my dad. Do you understand what I'm saying? I clean the garage because I have a relationship with my dad. I know what it's like to be out of relationship with him. Don't want to go there. But I also know the joy of having my dad say to me, you did a great job, Bob. I'm proud of you. You know what God's problem was with Saul? He didn't clean the garage. You see, God's problem with Saul was that Saul was unfaithful to him. And you know what? God was not about to let that go. Saul proves to us he did not have a relationship with God because he was willing to do whatever he needed to do to get what God could give him. Now, why did Saul panic? Here's the answer, because you and I have done this. Saul panicked because he didn't trust the relationship. And what I want you to understand is that in prayer, when we build the relationship with God, that relationship, that closeness, will give you the gift of discernment so you will not be deceived. Do you understand that? When you're close to God, when you are in his presence, when you want to be like him and you want him to interact with you, you develop this discernment deep inside of your heart and that discernment keeps you from being deceived. And remember what the Bible tells us about being deceived? Be not deceived because what? God is not mocked. Here's the second thing. Your relationship to God is more important than a revelation from God. If you want to hear God more, if you want to hear God clearer, you will know that your relationship to God is more important than revelation from God. Now, what I need you to understand is this. When you pray before you ask for a word from God, ask God for his presence. I told you a few weeks ago, I started doing something different in my prayer time, and I'm going to tell you, it works. So what happens now is that in my quiet time, when I get up, there's nobody up, and I, I get in my chair. I've got my cup of coffee. That's okay. You can have your coffee, okay? And I sit in my chair, and the very first thing I do is I just silent myself, and I just say, close my eyes, and I say, here I am, Lord. Have mercy on my soul. And then I'd hear the refrigerator start up. And my mind would go there, and I'd go, no, 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 don't think about that. And then I'd get back to where I was. And then Lori's alarm would go off, and then, uh, and I would come back. But here's the thing is that in the beginning, what I realized is that there must be some value to this because Satan was working hard to distract me. When you get distracted, don't beat yourself up. Just come back to doing what you're supposed to do. God will honor that because here's what started happening. First it was two minutes, then it was four minutes, then it was six minutes, and now I'm up to a place in 10 minutes which just goes by like that. 
I can be silent before God and just enjoy his presence. Now, I don't think about anything. I see the back of my eyelids, but the back of my eyelids become the screen that God appears. In the beginning, it's all dark. But then after a while, all of a sudden, that darkness begins to change, and it's like this light. I can't explain it to you. I just know that I see it. And when I see it, I feel it because I know it. And what do I know? I know that God is in the room. And because God is in the room, I am in his presence. Now, the reason I tell you that is this. If you want to hear from God, you must be near to God. I want to say that again. If you want to, be, if you want to hear him, you got to be near him. David's in a mess. He and these 600 men that are, have followed him, and they are traveling all through the countryside, and what they're doing is they're raiding all of these enemies, and they're bringing back to their home city, and their home city is Ziklag, okay? So they'd been out raiding. They brought all of this stuff back with them, and when they get to the hill just before it comes over and they see Ziklag, they see smoke, they're a little nervous. You know why? Because when they come to the top of the hill, they see their city burning. You know what the men left in the city? Their wives and their children. Everybody takes off for the town of Ziklag. And the Bible tells us that when they get there, all of the women and all the boys and girls are gone. There's no one left and the men turn on David. And David needs help. Now you would think that the first thing that David would do is ask God, what am I supposed to do? But watch. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters but David found strength in the Lord his God. You see what David did? Before he asked God for anything, he simply said this, God, I need you. And if I have you, I'll have everything that I need. I can remember when our kids were little, and maybe we would go into a dark room or something, and you know what? When they didn't want to go, they would always say, Daddy, will you go with me? And you know what? As soon as they would take my finger or take my hand, all of a sudden, there was nothing to be scared of. And you know what? That's the way God is. In those times in your life, when you're going through difficult times, you may be in one right now. Maybe there's something on the other side of the door that you never saw coming. Maybe you never thought you would be in the place that you're at. I want you to know there's a God who's waiting for you and he's offering his hand and all you gotta do is a grab hold of his finger. And as soon as you experience that presence in his life, guess what? You won't be afraid to walk through the door because you'll know that when you have God with you, you can do anything. Now listen to this very carefully. God wants you to be filled with him 
before you are led by him. Does that make sense? God wants you to be filled with him before you are led by him. Remember Saul? He's in the same predicament. Watch what happens to him. So Saul asked God, shall I go down and pursue the Philistines? Will you give them into Israel's hand? But God did not answer him that day. Have you ever had a prayer and you felt like that? And you've asked God, God, I've been begging. Why are you not giving me an answer? You see, the reason that Saul did not get an answer was because all he wanted from God is what God could give him. And God said, I want you to want me. Now, I want to tell you something about my family, and that is this. I love it when our kids come over to our house. I love to get together as a family. And I love it when I hear my children say, hey, we're not in any hurry, Dad. We're just going to hang out. I love it when I hear my grandkids say, we want to go to Baba Banach's house. You know what would break my heart? If I heard, we can only stay a minute. We got other things we got to do. I wonder how many times we've broken the heart of God simply because we have too much to do. There's somebody on our phone who we think needs our attention. We need to know the score of the latest game. And I wonder if God is just saying, I wish you would just want to be with me. How many of you remember the story of Esther? Remember that story? Esther, remember her people were going to be wiped out? Haman had this plan and he was going to destroy the Jews. And remember that Esther knew that she was put in a place for such a time as this? Remember what her words to her uncle Mordecai were? Have everybody pray, have everybody fast, and I will go into his presence, and if I die, I die. All right, now, why did she say that? The Bible tells us because it had been 30 days since she had been in the king's presence. Remember, you just didn't walk into the king's presence. You had to be invited, and she took a chance, but she had not been in his presence. So the Bible tells us Esther comes, and she makes herself where, she, where the king can see her. And when the king sees her, remember what the Bible said happened to his heart? It was like, oh, wow. What was I thinking? I've forgotten how beautiful you are. I have forgotten what it's like to be in your presence. What do you need, Esther? Remember what she said? Here's what she said. I want to throw a banquet, and I just want to know, will you come and bring Haman with you? And he goes, of course, of course. So she has all the best food, all of his favorite foods. There were cheeseburgers, there was pizza, there was all kinds of things that he wanted and he liked. And they just enjoyed their presence together. Oh, you can tell that, that the king is feeling well because he says to her, he goes, Esther, what do you want? And he said, and she said, I want you to come back for another banquet tomorrow night and bring Haman with you. The king says, I'll do it. Same thing. Oh, all the incredible foods he loves. And I'm telling you, boy, the king is in a really good mood. Why? Because his wife simply wanted to be in his presence. 
And because she desired to be in his presence first, he said to her, you can have anything you want. So this morning, I just want to ask you a question. What banquet do you need to serve to your king? What's the banquet that you need to give to your God? And I promise you, if you will do that, your enemies, just like Esther's, will come and kneel at your feet. Last one. When you are filled with God's word, you will become familiar with God's voice. 1 Corinthians 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Here's just what I want you to understand. The reason that Saul asked God for a word and was so desperate for it was because he did not know God. And you can tell he did not know God because he disobeyed even to get a word from God. You know what I would tell you? If you don't feel like you're hearing a word from God, here's what I would say. If you want to hear a word from God, then get in the word of God. It's not that hard. Read it, know it, memorize it, and apply it. Because that's what the scripture is. The scripture is God's word. And when you fill yourself up with God's word, guess what? You'll recognize his voice. You know why? Because God uses the same words. Take a look at this. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The last thing I will say is that if you don't feel like you're hearing a word from God, then I would ask you to look at this word, and I would simply ask you to do this. Ask God, is there something that I haven't done that you've asked me to do? You see, the way that God spells love is O-B-E-Y, right? When we obey God, that's how God knows that we love. In fact, Jesus said it, right? This is how they'll know you're my disciples, that you will obey the commandments, right? And so our obedience to God demonstrates to him that we love him. If you're not hearing a word from God, ask him, God, is there something that I have not done? Is there something that I've disobeyed that I need to go back and ask for forgiveness? I want you to know something, you guys. God is for you. He's not against you. Everything that God does, he's going to do so that he can bring the two of you like this. This is how he wants us. Isn't it a true, wouldn't you agree with me, is that those phones a lot of times can be a tool of the devil, right? Your child wants your attention and you're on the phone. You're so worried about what's happening or that you're going to miss out on something that God's trying to talk to you and, you're, and your head is buried in the phone. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of that. You know what I've learned to do? Leave your phone in the car. Leave your phone in the truck. When you go to a meeting, leave it in your office. You know why? Because wherever you are, God wants you just simply to be fully present. 
Because when you're present, then you can truly live for today. We've got some banners out there that still have some openings for you to pray. I just want you to know if you go out there and look, I took 2 a.m. in the morning, say. So from those six days, February 5th, for those seven days, I'm going to be up at 2 a.m., wherever I am going to be, and I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that God would give to us what it is that he wants to give to us. But most of the time, I'm just going to be praying for God's presence. Because when we have his presence, we have everything we need. Let's pray. Father, I don't want what you can give me. I want you. And so right now in this sanctuary, your presence is here. I can feel it. You tell us that you never leave us and you never forsake us and you tell us that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, I don't need to feel anything to know you're here. I simply believe by faith. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to hear your voice loud and clear. But I know in order for that to happen, I need to be near you. Thank you for reminding me today that hearing comes at birth. And you know what? I can hear your voice. It's amazing to me that the first thing that I always hear from you is simply this. I love you. Those words make all the difference. Forgive me for not taking the time to be in a place where I can hear them. But God, from this point on, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. When I'm driving in my car, in my truck, I'm going to look over to the passenger side and I'm going to believe that you're there. And I'm going to talk to you. I know the people won't think I'm weird because they'll just think I'm talking on the phone. But Lord, I want you to hear me loud and clear. I love you too. Thank you for this gift of prayer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you please stand? And I want to bless you with the benediction. Remember, praying, go Niners, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Chiefs. I meant to say Chiefs. Sorry, sorry. All right, here we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, his strength, and his love. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.